1: The Fold is brought to you by O-Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. Teodora. mai, hoki mai, ki the Fold. ko Duncan talking My guests this, week, guests this week are Carl Von Rando and Gemma Gracewood, respectively the co-founder and editor-in-chief of Letterboxd, which is... It's a few different things. It's, it's kind of partly a social media site. It's partly a community hub. It's partly a, a sort of a giant nest of, uh, sort of user sourced reviews of film in all its, uh, you know, complexity and glory. Um, it was founded in Auckland like a while ago, you know, in the era of, of Facebook and Twitter 13 years or so ago. And it's, it's had a, you know, it's basically taught us its way to becoming an incredibly important part of film's infrastructure, and I, I say taught us in a very admiring way because I think that what and Carl talks about this in in a really interesting way on the podcast is that they, yeah, you know, this this thing grew out of their day jobs, you know, it's just basically a a software development studio. And they just wanted to have something of their own to work on, and and letterbox was was what it was, and they picked film because they liked film, but um, but they didn't take venture capital, and therefore the shareholders' expectations of a return were quite were relatively limited, um, and certainly not rapacious, or or they weren't expecting the thing to just go ten x and fly to the moon in short order, and as a result you can see a very kind of careful deliberate um, audience-centric development uh, that that has happened to letterbox which is stands in quite a stark contrast to the sort of the chaotic uh, scale chasing uh, approach that that the meta social companies have have gone for and obviously it's helped by the fact that it is deliberately narrow in in its focus on film and its focus on reviews and and so on but it's just a really really interesting company but this isn't business is boring this is the fold so I wanted to basically use it as a window to talk about the state of film and to talk about the way that community culture business um, the way that all those things can fit together and particularly and this is where Gemma Gracewood comes in the, the sort of editorial layer and how that interacts with both the, the sort of data that is generated by the business but also the the sort of um, by the sounds of it very kind of beautifully cared for and, and curated and cultivated culture that comes from the community gosh that's a lot of c's anyway this is one of my favorite episodes in, in quite a while There's such an interesting duo it's such a fascinating company in so many different ways uh i think anyone who is listening to this podcast is is going to get something out of this because there's just su- such a huge amount in it um so yeah this is carl von rando and Jimmy gracewood from letterboxd on the fold Kia ora, Gemma, and Carl, welcome to the fold.
2: Kia ora, Duncan.
0: Kia ora, Duncan, thank you.
1: Uh, so let's start with where it starts. Like how does how does Letterboxd because it's it's a, it's a it's a venerable institution, you know, in the in technology terms. So tell me how it came into the world.
0: Oh my goodness. Um, back in 2010, 2011, uh, Matthew, co-founder and I were busy working for clients and decided we wanted to do a bit of work for ourselves as well. And uh, we'd always been interested in film. We had a a short film website back before YouTube was a thing. And uh, we were collecting little DV tapes from people and digitizing them and putting them online so people could watch film online in a tiny little window. But uh, we sort of of stopped, stopped doing that and we wanted to have our own project. We both collected DVDs. And we had this, um, Matt had this idea of saying, let's give people a way to express their DVD collection initially. And then, um, you know, that the idea had been bubbling actually for a few years. And then it sort of turned into going, well, let's do something with social around this, looking at IMDb and saying, oh, IMDb is, this, is the home of this, like Google Plus was the home of um, and uh, but there's no social there, and, uh, and thought we could do we could do a good job of social, and so in the in that so nine months of 2011 we um, put it all together in our studio and launched.
1: It's interesting, right? Like because th- there's a big idea of what has made social. It's almost like a truism is that you need enormous scale and ambition to to make it work, whereas this is narrow but incredibly fervently felt is is sort of what it feels like. Were you you sort of always confident that you could break one of those rules of social? Were they not particularly written at the time and to the extent that they are now? I think um,
0: at at the time, at the time, Facebook and Twitter were unassailable. There was no no one was going to compete in those areas. And so we weren't trying to compete in those areas. We were just trying to be a place where people could come and discuss Uh, their enjoyment of film and uh, so uh, we were also really lucky not to be taking venture investment from it so we didn't have someone breathing down our necks saying 18 months runway you know like all of this sort of stuff so we were able just to take it bit by bit and uh, attract people who were interested in being part of that community and um, and then it grew to where we are today so in terms of community, maybe you can speak to this, Gemma.
1: Like, were you a, a sort of a member before you were a staffer? And it does feel like uh, that... that- you know there's, there's a lot of people say this kind of thing but but some companies actually live it that the that the relationship with the community their community is the most important thing that they have how, how you know how were those how was the community in the early days and how did it develop
2: um starting with the with the last thing you said around uh, community being the most important thing i would say that 99% of the content on letterboxd is created by our community the lists the logs the ratings the reviews so they are the heart of Letterboxd so yeah you're you're absolutely right we are one of those companies that says community is the most important thing uh, because it literally is and uh, we do a lot of work and a lot of thinking around um, everything to do with our you know moderating tools our community policy all of the ways in which we ask people how to be on Letterboxd and and that's sort of built on a on a way of being on Letterboxd that was established right at the beginning. I've been a member since Matthew Buchanan sent an email uh, out to me and various other friends in the Aotearoa film industry saying, we made a thing, can you please join it so that we've got some people in our beta so that it looks like there's a community. (laughs) So so it's really interesting because as opposed to um, other social networks around the world, what you've got is a bunch of New Zealanders who know each other as the foundation of an online global community. So you can imagine what kind of I guess principles and values come with that.
1: Are there are they, are they still like power users of the site? Like is there a kind of you know even though obviously it's it's grown pretty enormous, particularly in the last few years, which we'll get to, yeah. is there still some kind of connective tissue that keeps yeah, those other people?
2: Shout out shout out Jacob Bunny, Sasha Judd. Tom Augustine. Yeah, there's a whole lot of people from day one still 12 years on getting amongst it.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. And, I mean, in terms of, you know, I realized, just belatedly, embarrassingly realised that I haven't actually got you to describe its nature, which is inherently <laughs> something that evolves, but maybe can one of you just kind of pick a way of of describing how 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 you conceive of it and how the audience might. How
0: to think about what letterbox is. Yeah. Ooh. Well, it- We've we've described it in all kinds of ways. We've described it as originally Goodreads for film, um, when Goodreads was really in people's in people's minds. Uh, Letterbox has a lot of things for a lot of people. It's a it's a film club. It's where people come to together to talk about and recommend each other films. It's a film diary, so you can keep track of what you've seen. Uh, we've just had. Yeah, you know, the New Zealand International Film Festival. If you've gone to more than two films, you need help remembering what they what they were. Yeah, my, I always live in fear of someone asking me what was the last film I watched. But uh, now I know I can always no, just no, it's go, in go, your go and pocket. find out. Yeah, <laughs> it's right, right there in
2: your pocket. So um, I think a social network for film lovers is is a pretty basic way of referring to it. Um, you you don't have to have an account to look on Letterboxd is the first thing. Quite similar to Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb, you can dial up a film and see what the average letterbox rating of that film is and read sort of the front page of popular reviews. If you do have an account, you can then, as Kyle said, log every movie you've seen, uh, review those films, rate them anywhere from half a star out of five to five stars out of five. Uh, you can add them to lists. You can have a conversation with uh, Duncan Greve, who goes, Gemma, you really should see the Fire Festival documentary, it's amazing. And I'm like, I really should, I'm going to put it on my watch list. And then if I've told Letterboxd what streaming services I'm signed up to, then when that doc comes on uh, Prime Video, for example, I'll get an email from Letterboxd saying, hey, that Fire Festival film that Duncan Grieve really wants you to watch is now on Amazon Prime, you can watch it today. So there's a whole lot of different ways in which it works. Mm. That's, that's the real basic classic film user way a lot of film industry members use it for um, creating mood boards Uh, yeah I think one of the things I would say is the absolute stroke of genius that Carl and Matthew uh, executed at the very beginning was building the design around film posters so it's beautiful to look at Your producer is nodding. He's a a power user. Um, (laughs) Yay, Sam. Uh, And uh, and so so what it means is if you um, curate a list of films, you've got a gorgeous visual right there. So if you're a filmmaker who's thinking about what your poster might look like and you pull in a whole bunch of comp titles, And then you've got this gorgeous mood board that you can hand over to your designer. So that's one way that industry members might use it. Another is purely for research. I I know that Bowen Yang has got a list on there at the moment of Asian crime movies. And I'm like, I cannot wait to see a Bowen Yang written Asian crime movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so there's there's lots of different ways to use it.
0: And what what we differentiate from sites like Rotten Tomatoes is when you come to see these reviews about films, these are reviews from people just like just like you we described that as the grassroots film reviews and uh and when you follow people on the site when you like their reviews then when you're coming to research a film trying to work out if you should see it uh you're reading what your friends and your letterbox friends thought about the film so you're, you're getting a really good sense of uh of what it is you're adding to your watch list
1: it's interesting. So, before you talked about it as a sort of a Goodreads for film in, in some respects. And, you know, Goodreads has had its share of drama effectively with, with its community, you know, sort of review bombing of even unreleased titles. There is complexity to this stuff, no matter how much you try and make it a, a peaceable place have you, you know, have you experienced, you know, it sort of feels inevitable that you might have experienced your own. Do you want to kind of speak to how you have gotten the place to be a community that that works, because which is what it feels like from the outside, um, rather than one that is just kind of ferociously
0: attacking itself? You know, we don't have a large team of moderators. Um, we have a small team of moderators. Uh, we have built a lot of technology to help moderators. But I think some of the key elements of why it works on Letterboxd. One of those is our DNA. We started with this beta group. We started with a group, first of all, of of friends and then friends of friends. It was a invitation based beta. Um, Matthew went to Brooklyn and announced it at a conference called Brooklyn Beta of cool people. Um, And uh, so we had a really cool audience on at the beginning. We had people who Wrote really thoughtful things about films, and that kind of DNA has persisted where it hasn't been a site um, for shit posting. Uh, we've also, when we don't have a, a public forum on the site where you can come along and just say, you know, what does everyone think about X? Whatever you're posting on the site is in your channel and it's on It's a review of a film. And so I think that also contributes a lot to people not just not bringing other random things onto our platform that usually the discussion is about film film is inherently subjective and so there's a lot of room for very hospitable very kind disagreement and uh where there isn't then um we have blocking and reporting and moderation and banning and all these other things that we um, use judiciously to, to keep things happy
2: yeah we we definitely do our reading of i guess the room the global room um so we know if if something's going to go down we know if you know Zack snyder's justice league is coming and we can prepare as a team for that sometimes we get completely blindsided uh i'm going to give the obvious example um a beautiful first time french filmmaker film called cuties I don't know if you remember that i know that the controversy Yeah. yeah so it landed on netflix landed on netflix uh america with a poster chosen by the american marketing team that really out of context sexualized the young women in the film and wow the uh pizzagate people went to town on it and they came to letterboxd as well to one star that film and you know, it's like it was, yeah, completely blindsided. So, so the job is to then immediately go and watch the film to get context. You know, that's that's what I would do and what I did do. I was like, wow, this is, this is a beautiful film <laughs> by, a, by a black French female filmmaker that has just, uh, you know, walked itself into the middle of the American social maelstrom. And then we talk as a team about what to do and, and how to deal with that. I mean, the, I would say the rating is still a bit low. Uh, but it's definitely higher than what it would have been if we hadn't um, intervened.
1: Mm. So, yeah. so with that intervention, what that and that was a, essentially a bespoke thing for a a scenario that reared up out of a clear blue sky. Yeah, and you're comfortable with that? The team's small enough, and the company's culture is robust enough to be be able to just deal with things on a yeah. more ad hoc basis.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And to have that conversation and to go, okay, well, what is this actually about? Um, this is about, this is bigger than Letterboxd and this is bigger than this film. This is, this is, you know, about other things. And and to then build, what Carl's really amazing at is, you know, we'll have the long, uh, extremely passionate, lots and lots of emotional labour meetings about what it all means, and then turn to Carl and he'll go, oh, so you need a tool for this to make your jobs easier and to, you know, cut out the last five days of, of deep mental load. And we're like, yes, please, and... Um, he'll think up at all. Well, that. we've got
0: we've got an amazing team yeah. in that respect, haven't we? Is that, you know, because we're a small team and we've got Gemma who's able to go and who's going to watch the film and understanding it, understanding the context. Every, everyone in our team is loves this industry and under, you know, understands it and is thinking about it all the time. So we can make a decision really quickly that we want to act and then... Then we do develop solutions. If it is a if it is a software solution, like if it's yeah. if it's a solution where we need to say, you know, this film hasn't been released yet, so we haven't thought about this before, but we're not going to show the ratings histogram because there's you know this is going to discourage people from coming in to give it a bad rating before it's even been released. Yeah. And so we we often try to come up with sort of clever solutions to that. But we also have to then say, well, if people are going to rate half stars. We need to try and now start to evaluate the quality of accounts, which ratings are legitimate. You mm. know, we've got a goal of having a rating on our site which is representative for our community, and it's useful for our community. It's not useful mm. if we know that a whole lot of people thought it was a fun idea to come and rate it. Yeah, rate it or, or signed
2: up to Letterboxd specifically to just rate that film. Mm. Yeah, so we can, you know, we can do things like that, track history and go, obviously... There's, you know, 10,000 new members today who have all just rated one film, one star. That mm. that stuff's easy to figure out on a technology basis. Yeah, but we, and yeah.
0: our development team is able to add a a fun Easter egg in a day and to add a correction for, or mitigation for an attack in that same day. Yeah. So we're pretty lucky.
1: It's sort of interesting hearing the pair of you talk, you know, a, a technologist and, and someone from an editorial background and the kind of ease with which... You go back and forth, like even the idea of a technology company sending along and having an editor-in-chief is, is interesting in itself. Like, How does that sort of, those two kind of cultures inform the internal and and community culture of Letterboxd, do you think?
2: I think, it's fun, to, of you. <laughs> I think it's fun to talk about how I came along in the first place. And yeah, it was, do that. Um, one of Ant Timpson's annual Christmas barbecues caught up with Matthew, uh, who... I'd known since the 90s when Nigel Horrocks, who was on the board of 95 BFM where I was the editorial director, walked a young Matthew Buchanan in the door to build BFM's very first website. And being the editorial director, I was technology was walked in the door and, and handed over to editorial to put you know words and code together. So that's where we developed a friendship. And cut two years later, I've been a beta member and early member of letterbox kind of using it a little bit living in new york at this point home for the summer chatting with matthew and i'm like you know i follow you guys on letterbox uh, on i follow you guys on twitter and um all you really tweet about is uh letterbox is down oh it's up again uh we broke this bit oh we fixed it again i was like are you going to talk about movies at some point
1: i love this conversation
2: no it's like you you need someone on your team who is talking to your community about the thing that you built this technology for Mm,
0: light bulb moment yeah (laughs) yeah there was no one already in our team to do that no there was no one doing yeah
2: and at that time i was uh doing a whole bunch of different cobbling together some different contracts in order to afford groceries in New York City and, and one of those was I was the um, the social media strategist for New Zealand On Screen and so I was already tweeting about movies and TV and so cut to a few months later and, and Matthew sent me a gentle email going hey you know that conversation should we do something about that have you got any hours in your day in your week to to come on board and tweet about movies and so that that was really where it started mm. and I guess that's That's the perfect example of how those two things come together as a team but it's you know we've got a pretty active slack um we've got a channel called platform where anyone on the team who is on the you know content or editorial side can go hey i wish when i do my lists it could do this and you know, and the and the devs listen to that and have a chat and go, yeah, oh, we can do that today for
0: mm. you. Yeah, that's right. If they, if they <laughs> yeah. get excited about the idea,
2: yeah, yeah, we just didn't think of it before. Yeah, um, that's really true.
0: Yeah. yeah, and it's it's interesting to think. I I don't really think about us as a technology company. Mm. You know, we're a so, so <laughs> what are we? <laughs> we're we're a, a community social company. <laughs> we're a film company. You know, this this um you know technology is part technology is just supporting what we do and uh while the technology enables us to do it well um then then it's working then it's working well and again with an amazing with an amazing team uh, we've we've been able to uh, no longer have to tweet that much about letterbox being down. <laughs> um, we were down down nearly a whole Christmas because Christmas was the time oh. that I chose to do serious infrastructure upgrades because that was when I had enough time off and to do the upgrades. Fun
2: Fun fact, Duncan, fun fact. Christmas, if you look if you ever get a chance to look in our back end, is also the time of year that everybody logs the most films that the most new members sign up.
0: Not that year.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I think it still was. <clears throat> I learned a lot, learnt a lot.
1: So how did, you know, if you, when, so you're a, a social film company that is using social media to <laughs> log outages. <laughs> How, how did the culture and the relationship with the community change when you started when you brought Gemma on and started to build out the idea of, of, of editorial and uh, into the team?
0: Hmm. I think that's you know we as I said we don't have kind of a general chit chat space on Letterbox. Letterbox is about films, and so I think adding Twitter you know, originally gave us that sort of area to have general chit-chat and, and interaction with people. Uh, we started doing a newsletter after that as well. Um, mm. And sort of all of that was... Part- was an
2: occasional blog that was hosted on Tumblr. Yeah,
0: with a yeah, with the theme and everything. Yeah. Like, it wasn't cheap. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> but this this was around this idea of then of starting to build community. Because while Letterboxd itself, the website's a community, much much like twitter actually it's or how how it was it's it really depends on who you follow and so if you follow you, know, you there are so many sub communities on letterboxd that uh, everyone's experience was dif- different so we wanted to also give this experience of being part of this one film club and that newsletter was very much you know this is a club newsletter this is what's going on and what's going on in your club what's going on on your website and uh, what's going on in your app.
2: And I think a big part of it for for me and for the, the team now is about going, there are millions of people you could follow on Letterboxd all day every day and you can't possibly in your activity feed get through all of the good reviews. And so it's our job curatorially that's a word to uh to find the good reviews and elevate them and show them to other members and then you can find new people to follow in that way um also to sort of contextualize again a film that might be landing a bit differently by going um through and i mean we're talking about what's the most popular movie on Letterboxd right now it's not barbie or oppenheimer it's red white and royal blue and going through those reviews and looking at what um queer letterboxed has to say about it versus straight letterboxed I think is really informative for how this works as a rom-com and so we do things like that where we dig right into a film like by filtering by five who's giving it five stars and why who's giving it one star and why figuring all that stuff out and yeah that's part of what we do I think um, in terms of speaking with and building community as well a big part of it is uh, you know, it can't be underestimated what our data tells us, um, in terms of everything from our ratings to how many people logged a film in a single day. Um, we get a lot of our we get a lot of our news from our own data. It's one of my favourite things to do is is find news from inside Letterbox rather than reflect what's happening outside. And um, you know, it's always good to break your own news, isn't it? So we <laughs> like we're looking ahead to Halloween at the moment and going, what are the most obsessively rewatched where we have defined obsessive rewatches as having logged a film five or more times not two or more five or more that's getting obsessive that's a big number it's a big number what are the most obsessively rewatched horror films so to build a really interesting picture of not what are the highest rated, but what are the ones that people return to again and again, and then dig into the reviews and go, why is that? And what are our members' reviews telling us about what makes this rewatchable? And then to run the numbers again, where the, uh, where the film has had fewer than 3,000 people log it. So then we get the most underseen, obsessively rewatched horror films. And that's just horror. And that's just one metric, but we can look at so much stuff across Letterbox in terms of the way our community is using it, and then reflect that back to them, and then that just kind of keeps building community and building a sense of a,
0: mm.
2: yeah, global film family.
0: Yeah, people like to know who they who they are or who they who they're in cahoots with. You know, our stats at the end of the year is such a massive part of uh, of the website like we just get so much interest and attention in that each year and that's basically when our community comes together and says who who are we who were we this year what did we love to watch and we in that we pull out the ones that are right at the top but we also pull out interesting things that aren't right at the top so that we can spread that love a little further The Fold is
1: brought to you by O-Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa, with over 4,000 out-of-home advertising sites nationwide across both street furniture and retail centres. I'm super grateful to O-Media for enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis.
0: Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz get advice A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does
2: not guarantee future returns.
1: Well, I mean, even as you talk, you know, about the the data of this thing and and about the culture that's developed, it strikes me that there's a, a sort of a maybe an incongruity or something like. Basically, the the general top line story of what is happening to film is broadly, a, people people are that stoked, you know, like the the rise of of franchises, the rise of streaming, um, the sort of pandemic obviously didn't help. Uh, there, there's all these kind of you know. Writers, writers and, and, and actors strikes and so on. there's just a lot of kind of gloom that sort of feels like it sits in the air and yet you have this culture that sounds like it's growing and flourishing and and all the beautiful things that we used to know about film that it, it's still happening here. What is your relationship with that sort of industrial community like? and do they sort of learn things from how people are, you know I'm talking about even at like a producer or a funder kind of level, do, do they sort of, you know, are, are there any of them sort of going, actually, there are lessons here that might help to revive some aspects of this industry that feel a little bit tired or moribund or something?
2: Yeah, I would hope so. And also have some uh, actual real world examples. There are cinemas around the world that programme letterboxed seasons of, uh, like, revival films. Prince Charles Cinema in London, for one, Um the Nighthawk in Brooklyn, for one, where they've they've taken a, a letterbox list like Be Gay, Do Crime and programmed a season of those films, um, which I think is so cool. Or uh, actually, speaking of using our, our community data, one of the coolest things that happened was um, we did a story around, we called it The 50 Highest Rises. Dom Corrie, one of our writers, uh, wrote a story. We got the data on the films over the lifetime of Letterboxd whose ratings... Has whose rating has risen the most um, over time and it's things like the Hannah Montana musical um, but it's also things like um, a very, very cool film called Bones starring Snoop Dogg uh, so wrote this great story about these films that have essentially been kind of reconsidered over Jennifer's Body is another great one reconsidered over time having had a terrible marketing campaign first time round wrote this story and then the Cinema in London programmed a a season of these films because the evidence is, you know, there are film lovers in the world who adore these films and rate them highly. And maybe never got to see them Maybe never got to see them the first time round on the big screen because they were marketed so badly Um, and yeah, I mean that's that's just so thrilling to me because that's a perfect, and that season was sort of just post-pandemic you know, getting people back into cinemas as well so that's That's definitely one thing that's happening a lot. We do work a lot with the industry. We work with every studio from A24 and Neon to Sony Columbia Pictures, uh, Warner Brothers. We do member screenings where we will isolate, uh, for example, members in LA who have seen every uh, Todd Field, or Kate Blanchett film and rated them four stars and above, and we invite them to a, a word of mouth sneak screening of Tar, for example. And uh, so we've got the geography, we've got the ratings, we've got the preferences around stars and directors. You're shaking your head in wonder, or in wonder. like, yeah, it's amazing, right? And so uh, the thing that I find really telling about our community is that the turnout rate for those screenings is high. It's 75% and above where publicists have been telling us that post-pandemic RSVPs, they've been wanting to invite 300% more people than they have seats in the cinema for, and they've been getting a 30% turnout rate. Yeah, and so we've got this active community who actively want to go back to the cinema. Mm -hmm. And we, uh, and but uh, also, buying blu-rays you know that like every time so Aaron Yap is our head of social now because you know at a certain point you have to admit your weaknesses and tweeting about movies you know is, is no longer one of my strengths it is it is there's TikTok there's Instagram there's you know threads there's YouTube shorts there's so many more channels we need more hands on that tiller. so Aaron Yap who's here in Auckland is now our head of social he's built a really great small team underneath him
0: and and it's reflecting the feelings of our community reflecting and enhancing right and just just kind of growing that it's such a win-win for us our our members are are so you know when we send a promotional email to someone we're inviting them to go and see a film in their city like they just they can't open it fast enough i a friend of mine in minnesota said i got an email from you that i couldn't go but it was this was so exciting i said Dude, that was an ad. <laughs> get a hold of yourself. Yeah, get a hold of yourself. I know what
2: I was gonna say about Aaron. The social team, every time we do a prompt that's like, and we do this a few times a year, show us your shelves. Oh man, the like the nerdery, the nerdery in this world around the exact construction of shelves to hold Blu-ray and box set collections is incredible. And yeah, I just yep.
0: Mm. That's why we don't need to worry about being technology nerds because there are much bigger film nerds out there <laughs>
1: they can shade you. Uh, so, so you know, you were talking about this, the sort of struggle to get people back into to cinemas post post pandemic, which is a very real and ongoing phenomenon. You know, Barbenheimer notwithstanding, paradoxically the 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 pandemic was incredible for you. You know, I've got the, the data here that says that you, your membership went up from 1.3 million at the beginning of 2020 to, to, to 10 million now. Mm. How did that happen and feel and what did it do to to Letterboxd?
0: Goodness me. I think we were just so pleased to still be working and, uh, you know, safe that, um, yeah. you know, that, that uh, this all just this all just sort of happened. It was it was all hands on deck getting it going. Gemma came on full time as she said. In that time, our um, lead developer David Mapleston, came on full time. In that time, we felt, you know, we we did look at each other and say, "Is this a good idea to bring on our first two full time members of the team now?" Um, but it was. So so this is this
1: is this is March 2020. Yeah, March or April. And yeah. and did you just see something happening like everyone's inside and
2: Oh, I knew what was happening in January. My brother who was working on a very very big airline campaign texted the family and said, "So, um the campaign's being shelved and they're currently trying to figure out where to park the 747s." I would Get ready if I were you, and that was about the point where I was like, "Yeah, Matt, Carl, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to go (laughs) full time." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They've been they've been basically saying, "Why? What's what's changed? What's going on?" I mean, I you know, because I'm a producer and I love making things with people, which is part of the reason I love I love being in this realm of of of. Essentially, promoting other people's things that they've made with people, and they're expensive things to make, right? And and no one's in it for charity. Um, but I so 2019, I'd gone to the Toronto International Film Festival for the first time as Letterboxd's representative.
0: Probably with your own credit card. Yeah, with
2: my yeah. own credit card. I yeah. Yep. Put you back to work that was crazy but I'd only flown from New York so it was a short this is this is the point It's sort of there is a tyranny, there, there was a tyranny of distance leading up to the pandemic and that's part of partly what changed for us in the pandemic is that so I, was, I had the privilege of living in New York at that time, popped up to Toronto, ran around like all by myself going has anyone heard of Letterboxd? and really just trying to suss out how our brand was perceived, more by filmmakers in the industry because we knew how it was perceived by our existing members. They loved it. But we didn't know if we were relevant to the industry and if it was something that we could kind of build a, mm. you know, build relationships and actually build business on. And and that was the year that Jojo jo Rabbit premiered. So I knew that I had access to at least one good red carpet through our old friend Tykes. Um, but it was also Parasite year. And so uh, Parasite had been at Cannes. Bong Joon-ho had come to Toronto I got on that red carpet. It was me and, like, five members of the Korean media all speaking perfect Korean and me just going, oh, floundering. Um, and I just kind of yelled one kind of question at him as he walked past, saying, it's the, not just the most highly rated film of the year, it's the hi- most highly rated film of all time. And he turned on his heel, director Bong, and came back and went, ah... Thank you very much. You know, like it just gave us the perfect soundbite, and I was like, "Boom, that's it. We're through. We've 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 somehow broken through the door that we needed to break through." Mm. Um, And the tricky thing, though, was so I did that, and then Matthew went on a bit of a um, office tour of studios in December of the same year, Um, and then you know we're back in New Zealand, and it's like, how do you how do you keep building business? How do you keep building these connections when you're stuck in Tamaki Makoto, and the industry is over there. Pandemic, everybody has to stay home. Suddenly, all the studio meetings are online on Zoom. All of these people that, like, if I'm popping through LA for three days, I'm like, I'm, in, I'm, I'm going to be in LA on my way home to New Zealand for three days. Can I meet with you? Oh, I'm out of town. That's that's what was happening to us. Suddenly, everyone's home, and most importantly, Cactus Lab, which is Letterboxd's you know, founder studio, had since inception, been working on a very hybrid office-home, extremely family-friendly, values-based system. So we were already used to working from home, whereas a lot of these other people weren't. And so it was like, right, got you where I want you. And Hmm. we started being able to have meetings for the first time with people we'd struggled to get through the door with and building relationships with these people.
1: Yeah, and and I guess because like and that that's a sort of a, a backdrop. But, is, but is, is there was there a chicken or the egg thing? Like, was it a bunch of people being home just helped accelerate oh, growth, or was yeah, it tot- these connections? It was kind both. Of, it, right? was, it was
2: both at the same time. I think that I know that people at home were looking for ways to, uh, you know, discern Monday from Tuesday. Yeah, and mm-hmm. tracking apps were that way. You know, tracking your walks, tracking your yeah and there's films just an order watched. from
0: chaos thing
2: about yeah. i can
1: put this thing together in yeah. this digital space in this area
0: while outside is all chaos and, yeah. and people were just watching a lot yeah. more just watching a lot more films yeah. and uh, but wanted also to share it with their friends
2: having film clubs like setting up film clubs with mm. friends and family you'd
0: watch on you'd watch online right and you'd yeah. sort of have a watch along you go and let's all press play at the same time yeah
2: we did a paddington watch along but also, you know, like Anish Chaganti, who's a filmmaker. He made a film called Run and a film called Searching. Um, was living with about four other people, and you know, we I, we set, we started our podcast in lockdown because what else were we going to do? And when I talked to him, he he said, "Oh, we use Letterboxd every single week to build out our you know our, our flat film club," and so mm-hmm. it, lots of people were doing that kind of thing. And then there were a lot of cinephiles. I guess, film lovers who were going, ah, oh, this is the time to dive into a filmography. I'm going to watch every single Scorsese film in in chronological order and share my thoughts about it, yeah.
1: Mm. In in terms of the, the sort of a moment, a pinch yourself moment when you realise that you've arrived, like the, you know, because, you yeah, know, f- for example last year when margot robbie's account was discovered and you can see like a vulture headline that just has letterbox and it doesn't explain what it is it just mm. assumes that you know like yeah. do you yeah, know, know, talk about that incident those, yeah. and and you know when you sort of kind of feel like you no longer have to explain yourself that must be just an incredible sense of
0: achievement and validation S- sort of happens slowly over time doesn't it we had um Oh, who was it on that late night talk show who mentioned Letterboxd? But it was just in passing.
2: The um, star of Eighth Grade. Yeah, Elsie. Right,
0: yeah, right. yeah. So we had we had a series of little mentions, little mentions like that, and and uh, yeah, we sort of noticed every single one of them. And over the last year, it's just become so common you don't notice anymore.
2: Then we were in Scream. Oh, Six, I yeah. think.
0: That was that was a, that was a that highlight. Was I funny. still haven't seen it too scary. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, pinch me moment. I think for me it was um, when I was at a women in film and television event here during the pandemic and and, uh, um, someone across the room uh, who is now a really good friend in the industry uh, said, who is she? Like we were both asking questions of New Zealand on air. And um, afterwards, it's like, who are you? Oh, I'm blah, blah, blah. Who are you? I work for this weird thing called Letterboxd. And she just freaked out, jumped up and down, was like, let me follow you. It was the first time in this industry, in this country, that I didn't have to explain myself. Like, I was going to say, what, being mm. in the Oscars press room was a pinch me moment. But actually, <laughs> but actually, the moment where I didn't have to explain myself to a local in the film industry was a pinch me moment.
0: Feeling a little bit similar, in-person things are now now my thing as well. I had someone, I was in the UK at a random fancy old house who said, great hat. (laughs) And they
1: just assumed you're a fan.
0: I, I don't know, I just said thank you and, <laughs> and um, took my took my lunch. For but
1: those listening at home, uh, Carl's wearing a letterbox hat.
0: <laughs> I thought this was on video. Yeah, but actually, a highlight, walking to work in Grey Lynn, from through Grayland, someone goes past me the other day wearing a letterbox dad hat. No! I was not wearing my hat. I don't know what was going on. And what did you say? And I said, great hat. <laughs> and then we just kept on walking because this is New Zealand. That's beautiful. That's how we do it here.
1: Um, almost out of time, but you know, in terms of, uh, I just wanted to, you to, to talk about Barbenheimer and how that that sort of energy bomb coming at a time when it was sort of really needed and also weirdly couldn't be capitalized upon, like how that manifested and, and felt on on the platform.
0: We certainly felt it mm. in the server. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Our uh, David is sharing graphs in the morning, going, "Oh, it's here." As uh, yeah, everything's like twenty percent higher. Um, What's
2: the what was the graph that was shared the other day? It looks like Batman. <laughs> it was like the classic, you know, January, you know, December, January, Christmas spike. And then there's this other spike just as high in the middle of the year, and it looks Mm. like Batman's (laughs) ears on his mask. It's so funny. It was
0: very unusual. We don't get a spike in the middle of the year usually.
2: Yeah.
1: That's fascinating.
2: I mean, I don't don't know what to say about that. I felt personally, I felt really uncomfortable about Barbie and Oppenheimer being in the same conversation together, especially as someone from the South Pacific where, yeah, I feel like it's funny, isn't it, that the kind of nuance and the trauma get a bit lost um, and I've been—I found myself hunting for the letterbox reviews that that go there, in terms of you know nuclear fallout. And uh, but in terms of getting people to the cinema, I mean, wild, so cool. We sent our London editor Alia Kemp out on. Barbenheimer Day to see both films and to interview people at both screenings. And, you know, yeah, we, we dove right into it, of course. It's it's exciting times to be at the movies. And what's really interesting is I was at Melbourne Film Festival last week and um, met a few filmmakers from around the world and uh, a Vietnamese filmmaker called Am um, um Phan, who has a beautiful film coming out called Inside the Yellow Cocoon Shell, which won the camera door at Cannes. Um, it's currently in Vietnamese cinemas, where Vietnamese cinemas are experiencing Cocoonheimer. So it's his beautiful three-hour-long independent film, and Oppenheimer, and people are going to both, which I just think's gorgeous.
1: That, that is gorgeous. Yeah. So just to finish up, you know, it, it does feel, you know, you said at the top that the, that it's instructive that. You don't have uh, some venture capitalist looking for a 10x return, and that has helped drive community and engineering decisions that have kind of kept it kind of smaller and more deeply felt and beautiful as a result. But, you know, there there is something has happened here. You know things now about how to do this in a particular field. Is there any kind of, like, there doesn't seem to be a perfect equivalent in, say, music or, or, you know in in say it TV or TV or TV <laughs> I mean and I'm sure that that border can feel more porous than, uh, than hard mm. at times do, do, do you is there plans or do you, have you contemplated kind of moving into adjacent cultural fields where, where, where are you going?'ve we've, we've always always joked
0: about going into music jukeboxed jukeboxed yeah Have you got yeah. the domain be honest no because, <laughs> because we're not going to go into not going to go into music. At least not yet. Yeah, but, <laughs> but we are we are looking very seriously at going into TV series, mm. and uh, that's that's been a piece of work that's been or a consideration for five years, mm. and it's taken us a really long time because we've got a beautiful thing with film, and you know, just over time we've seen TV series become this. Uh, become more and more similar to film and uh, you know the same kind of same kind of quality and uh, but maybe a bit easier to make yeah. and uh, that um, that it's just a no-brainer for us for us to go there. So yeah. it's it's still a work in progress. We don't have anything anything to announce but we're working we're working really, really carefully to make sure that these two, Really similar but really different uh, mediums can coexist.
2: Because Carl really needs somewhere to put his survivor thoughts.
0: I've recorded yep. them all, so as soon as I can, <laughs> I'm going to be copying and pasting.
2: <laughs> no, but it's in. interesting, isn't it? Because the conversation around TV uh, online, you know, has has shifted as as the way that series are served to us have shifted. You know, recap culture is not at the heights that it was in the mm-hmm. 2010s um, sort of day and date sunday night chats around succession aren't happening um, so yeah there is a there is a desire from people to to find a place to
1: yeah well, and to it's work. it's also as the the sort of social platforms that kind of helped distribute this content as they've decided that they they want to take another path it doesn't Mm. mean that the desire to have those connections and express them in written forms disappeared it's just that the venue has has kind of evicted them in a lot of ways
2: but there's still so much to do even for film like we don't have show times yet and we absolutely should if we're talking about saving cinema (laughs) then you know uh, film showtimes at your local cinema is the very next thing we should do, and that's yeah. new revenue streams too. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. that's what
0: you know. Um, Sam in our office in Auckland is uh, busy working on an integration at the moment, so yeah, things are coming. Beautiful. Well, um, I'll, I'll let you get back to to, to building, but to I saving
2: thought, cinema.
1: <laughs> it's just a just a chill job. But um, oh wait,
2: Duncan, I've got a question for you. For me, what are your four favourite films? Oh, you can't just spring that on yeah. someone. It's what we do. Oh,
0: God. It's right um, there at the top of your profile, Duncan. Yeah. yeah. Are you yeah. on Letterboxd? I,
2: I don't, like about half an hour ago, but I'm going <laughs> to go pull it out. Uh, I can. I feel like we should ask Sam because he's actually on Letterboxd. Yeah. It's time to bring in your producer. Sorry. We're just, we're taking over this show. Come on, Sam. Sam's four favourites. Here we go. Okay. My top four favourites are The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes. Legally blonde 2, red, white and blonde. Two, explain yourself. It's really good. <laughs> I'm
0: adding it to my watch list right
2: now.
0: Right now. Hevers. Yes. And book smart. Oh, uh, lovely.
2: The dream. There we go.
0: Red, uh, white and blonde. I
1: will need to come back to you on that. I, I, I can I can give you one. Network is definitely. Oh. Uh, yes. I'm not I'm not having an argument with myself about that. The the rest I'll have to figure out. I also three of those four films I'm a big fan of Sam but um, I'll go away and consider that and I'll let you go back to your day jobs thanks so much for coming up here it's been uh, it's been a super interesting chat and you know it's just an extraordinary company you've built
2: um, Can I just uh, make a confession I look to you a lot for ideas editorially and structurally around what we do Duncan you are uh, an absolute king among media queens in Aotearoa Aww. it's a pleasure being on your show
1: Cut that out Sam. That was The Fold, brought to you by our partners at O Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. Huge thanks to O Media for sponsoring this episode of The Fold and enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis.
0: Kia ora e te iwi, kia te he here, podcast manager at the spin off.